0: Hello, how are you? how are you? how are you? welcome, welcome to the program, it's Thanksgiving week 2020, uh, at podcast underscore purple is where you can find us of course, um, thank you for joining me, I am Corey Dobson, your host. Your host of uh host of this episode. Um uh, wanted to um again, like I said, at podcast underscore purple. Thanks. Thank you so much for um for for joining us today. And the um the big thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned before I got going was a big thanks to uh it's so a big thanks to, let me make sure I get it right, Northwest Tech Experts. You can find them at 206-395-9599. They got a great special going on, $99. Mail-in data recovery. They've been serving Seattle for 12 years. They do on-site repair, 80 bucks an hour. But also they do, uh, if you give them a call, they do also accommodate mail-in, uh, mail-in diagnoses as well, um, again, just really wanted to, uh, give them a big thanks, they, they were a great help to us, again, that's Northwest Tech Experts 206 395 again, welcome in, thanks for joining us, thank you for joining, um, yeah, today basically was was kind of um sorry if I'm fumbling around here a little bit. I was kind of thinking um, ended up unfortunately had a little bit of the the, the vid symptoms. Think I'm good. Think I'm good <laughs> but uh, ended up not being able to go into work today so I had a little bit of time to watch some dumb shit on TV, ended up watching some, like, you know, Criminal Minds crap, got me all, you know, watched an episode that got me all in a negative space, freaking serial killers and whatnot. <laughs> so, so I ended up having to try to snap myself out of it by going into a, a little bit of a an alien kick, <laughs> a little bit of a UFO type of thing. For a moment, and uh, yeah, just tell me thinking jeez i'm I'm looking up looking up, talking, thinking, might as well might as well hit record, right, so if you do not like this topic, I should even say, do not like it because. Everybody deep down likes this topic. I mean, I think no matter who you are, if there were effing aliens or whatever you know, you'd be stoked, right? No, no matter who you are, that's that's not even a question. I don't think, um, or whatever you would even want to call them. That's not even the issue. I think more of it is whether you think it's something that's worth thinking about, whether it's something worth talking about, maybe it's not. I'll fully admit that in the sense that wasting your own time, so that's why i'm <laughs> I'm here to compile all this b s for you, which isn't b s of course, but you get you get what I'm saying uh yeah so, <laughs> so, so so to so to sort of start i was um to start this i was thinking um uh, in my in my head since I'm here in Seattle a great place to start kind of chronologically right if if you don't know much about this topic at all um, which you know some people seem first First Encounters or whatever the hell the movies are called, ET, um, Paul. If you ever seen Paul, check that shit out. It's a great one. But you know, it's a basic crap in kind of uh, Star Wars. Kind of leave it at that, right? But there, there's a there's a ton of shit that uh, chronologically starting right after, right around World War Two. That that's happened. that I think, to me, anyways, is is Really, really interesting, and whether you want to call it one thing or another, I'll let it, I'll let you you be the you know you make that decision. But uh, everything that I'm going to say, I encourage you if you want, go ahead and look it up yourself. But I'm uh, most of this I'm not speaking out of my ass. <laughs> I've done my research, written written a lot of this stuff down. But we'll start 1947, right? Kenneth Kenneth Arnold, which is amazing. Uh, I'm here in Seattle right now. Kenneth Arnold, he was a pilot in 1947. I believe he served in. <clears throat> I believe he was a um, World War II pilot. Could could have that wrong. So here's the start of the some right, some BS. <laughs> and um, he, anyways, he I believe he was flying out of Oregon. If you ever been to Seattle or flown into Seattle, even on a layover uh, on a day when it's not cloud covered, you there's one prominent thing, of course, and that's Mount Rainier. So Kenneth Arnold, uh, again, he was flying a single engine. I believe it was a single engine aircraft. So my assumption is something something like a a one Cessna one hundred and fifty, a 152. Or 172, maybe a Cherokee Piper, something around those lines. Something you know, small single engine uh, aircraft around that that age. And on June 24th, he claimed to see glowing objects flying. And again, what he estimated. <clears throat> so this is where, where uh, of course it gets gray. He estimated at around. 1700 miles per hour And Flying in a a V-like Type of formation So You know one of the things that he obviously wanted to Report this shit was because In his mind 1947 He obviously His first inclination was Russia Um, You know two years after World War Two, first first year of the Cold War, right? So that's, his mind isn't thinking anything like UFOs. This isn't even, wasn't even in the, in, the, in the lexicon, I don't think, at this point. Which is why I start here, because this is one of the amazing incidents where, again, <clears throat> a gentleman reporting something that has nothing to do with Aliens, uh, anything like that. But what he ends up, we he ends up claiming, is you know, of course, seeing this uh, this amazing thing skipping. It's kind of the the uh, the way that he really described it: skipping, skipping across. Um, yeah really skipping across the the landscape was was kind of the best way that he could describe it so the, the kind of the the interesting thing about this this incident again which was kenneth arnold is the fact that this is what completely started this entire uh ufo or, or flying saucer term Which is now, of course, you mentioned flying saucer, probably, excuse me, anywhere around the world, if you just say flying saucer, you know, I I would imagine that's a term that you're going to, you know, transcends languages, flying saucer, right? And, And that came from this day when Kenneth Arnold, uh, Kenneth Arnold again seeing these these extremely fast craft and the way that he described them again as you can imagine this throwing a rock on a lake that they were going so fast but also dipping and skipping um, and again without me <laughs> without me trying to paint a picture for you just that's what you got to imagine is what he described is is tossing a, a saucer a plate. Or a big flat rock over on the lake. And and seeing it bounce. So again. Really one of the. um, Amazing thing is. Other other reports in that same area. uh, Nine UFOs cropped up over the region. Uh, Mount Adams. The crew of a commercial flight in Idaho. Reported. um, And. Most of these people claim that the, the group of pilots, including Mr. Arnold, Kenneth Arnold, must have been hallucinating. But really, that right there precipitated so much more into what would become a few weeks later, which is really interesting. So you have that Ken- Kenneth Arnold incident, right? In uh, let me get it right. June fourteenth or June twenty fourth, nineteen forty seven. Then bang. Right, right after this, you get um, you get Roswell. You get the the crash of forty seven, which is amazing because immediately you you see. Uh, A post by the government, or not even the government The post by the newspaper saying that a a flying saucer has been found A flying disc has been found Uh, Ranchers, basically Uh, A rancher was the one who Ended up coming across all this material And reporting it Of course, government ended up coming in Unbelievable amount of Metal and debris apparently was spread over what, what some claim to be, you know, uh, um, what, what some claim to be, uh, an unbelievable area, uh, an unbelievable area of, of space, um, you know, which, which, of course, at the time, people absolutely didn't think. Again, like I, I mentioned just before, people are in the mindset of World War II or in the mindset of of Russia. So, people are just thinking this is a, a is a crash craft. And one of the, one of the things like I guess I didn't mention about the, the first incident again is that was that was really what, what Mr. Arnold's mindset was when he saw this. Was this has to be something from. From From Russia, and what we know now, I mean, anything that's 1,700 miles an hour, that's, at that point in time, um, I mean, the Germans just had come out with the ME-262, which was the first rocket-powered, um, you know, military aircraft at the time that was able to, you know, that, that had really any significant action in, in World War II, and... With Nowhere near the capabilities of being able to fly 1,700 miles an hour So uh, Weeks later when you have this one crash Boom Flying saucer crash In in the desert Roswell, New Mexico And then days later What you have Is an amazing post Which One of um, Let's see if I can get the paper right I don't even actually have the exact newspaper Let me see uh, but anyways, one of the newspapers that week said, Disc Craze Continues. That's the headline. Army, New Mexico Find Weather Gear. Um, to kind of paraphrase that. And so what had happened is that um, after the crash at Roswell, the initial report was we have a a, a crash... Um, well well, craft right there's even reports that some people have of like bodies and, and things of that nature and what is also interesting about that is that where this where this uh UFO crashed which is in uh which is in New Mexico and crashed near the 509th Bomb Wing. These are the gentlemen who investigated uh, the crashed object, whatever whatever the hell it was, which again, in the newspaper, they they claim that it was a, um, let me, let me read this, not a flying disc, um, Major Jesse Marcel of Louisiana, intelligence officer of the 509th Bomb Group at Roswell, New Mexico, inspects what was identified by Fort Worth Texas Army Air Base weather forecaster as a ray wind target used to determine the direction and velocity of winds at high altitude. Um, so basically it's it's a it's a a long way of saying it was a weather balloon If, you, if you've ever seen one of them um, You know, they do look like a small version Of a hot air balloon And they basically just have different types Of weather instruments Send them up into the atmosphere um, Unbelievable, great And one of the, a marvel Of the last hundred years They they, they Have taught us many, many things But <clears throat> Again, very, very hard to To mistake one of these, even just imagine um, a hot air balloon made out of tin foil is, is kind of a simple way to describe one of these weather balloons. And then mistake that for any sort of aircraft. Even if it was like a what, 1947? Even if it was a VW Bug Right? A VW bug that exploded. I don't think you'd even... You can't even mistake that for a weather balloon. Point... Also, other point being... Not a flying disc. I'm reading from the the newspaper article here from 1947. Not a flying disc. Major Jesse Marcel. Intelligence officer. 509th Bomb Group, Roswell, New Mexico. So, that right there is one of the other most interesting pieces of information is that it was the 509th bomb group so the 509th bomb group which one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is no doubt no doubt is um it's aviation absolutely I mean it's it's not even close um now that I'm mentioning it, I gotta, I gotta and work on getting my license again. Not even again, but finally, I should say. Um, but the 509th Bomb Group, which is a, a, it was a composite group, which had one single mission during World War II. If you know anything about what happened on August 6, 1945. This group, the 509th, dropped the atomic bomb. The, uh, obviously, the, the aircraft, the Enola Gay, beautiful Boeing B-29, uh, piloted, if you really wanted to know the information, by Colonel Paul Tibbets, But that was the first bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Right, and the amazing thing is that you have that group. Uh, I believe actually the second. I think I want to say it's Boxcar. Um, I could have that wrong. Boxcar. I think that's the name of it. Boxcar. Uh, of the other B twenty nine that ended up dropping the bomb on Nagasaki. A few days later, and. That was, again, that's the 509th Bomb Group. So the pilots entrusted with the most important mission of World War II were somehow able to incorrectly identify, again, like I said, any aircraft. Let's, like, just say anything, whether it was... If you know, a a a, a cub, um, a Cessna, um, you know, at that time in the in the forties, you know, up to a, a constellation, a big B twenty nine, any any absolutely any aircraft that was that was around in that time, a kite, um, even down to cars, right. How in the world could these, these gentlemen who were entrusted with this mission have really any discrepancy in their ability to determine whether something that crashed in the desert was a weather balloon or not? And just leave it at that, whether you want to call it anything else. But that's that's at least my contention, is that they wouldn't have any ability to, to mess that up. And the 509th group was was and is still um, (laughs) one of the most prestigious groups. I believe it's still operating out of the desert. I could be wrong about that. Um, Without boring anyone too much longer on this topic. But oh wow, this is actually really interesting, at least to me anyways. In June 15, 2015 Paul Tibbetts the fourth grandson of the World War II nuclear pilot assumed command of the 509th Bomb Wing, which is, which is really effing cool. Um, so not long ago, so I'd imagine Mr. Tibbets the fourth still has command of the 509th Wing. The 509th Wing is one of the wings that introduced, in the not too distant past, the uh, the stealth B two bomber, which is absolutely, absolutely beautiful aircraft there, which we'll might even talk about in a minute but again, so so there you have it there, right, so there's the second, you have Roswell then you go a few years later so the Cold War is really kicking in paranoia high paranoia high project paperclip has commenced paperclip was the operation um paperclip was the operation in which the um the united states government basically went and took uh basically went and took uh russia not russian i should say um German physicist, and took them into, well, back to America, and what they were able to do, um, I think over a thousand scientists, something like that, one of the most influential of this group was von Braun, um, we'll talk about him probably in another episode, but, I mean, he basically was someone that Walt Disney, ended up employing to create a lot of unbelievable videos that were very, very, very educational. Uh, Werner Von Braun ended up um, basically helping us get to the moon, Um, the Apollo rockets, that was all him. But the amazing thing is that the design for the rockets that we used to get to the moon, all great and grandy, or all great and dandy, I should say, Uh. Just so happened to be based off of the v two rocket, which is what Werner designed to basically bomb london um, and London was obviously a first target if they were to progress the technology. You can imagine what other coast past London might have been involved next but but anyways. We'll leave that there. So you've got Werner, right? And they had uh, Operation uh, Operation Paperclip going on at this time. So many many um, German scientists were in America. A lot of them in the Texas area. Uh, you You can imagine a lot of space things like Texas, Arizona, Nevada and in 1951 in August 25th um three professors from Texas Tech so i just mentioned that because of uh, I mentioned paper clip just to give a little bit of context on the fact that uh, there were scientists in the um controversial scientists i should say that were also in this in this area, and in area meaning the the Texas southern eastern part of uh, the United States of America. Uh, so again, on twenty the twenty fifth of August, nineteen fifty one, um, about three professors enjoying an evening in Lubbock, which is where Texas Tech is located, I believe, to, still to this day. And they ended up seeing a triangular-shaped, um... I guess a great way to describe it is like a a, a flying bird formation-shaped, um, thing flying above them. And one of the things that they, that also was, was discussed during this period of time after these, 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 um, these professors, you know, they saw this and they they were blown away, right? They absolutely had uh, absolutely had no idea what the hell was going on. They thought for sure that this was um, I don't know something, something again in this period of time. People are thinking Russia. People are thinking. Uh, So it's not necessarily... UFO isn't really a big thing in the lexicon. People aren't really thinking this way. But they freaked out. They absolutely had no idea what the hell was going on. A lot of students from the university reported the same thing many people did, right? And what was told, or what what the uh, official word was by uh, Project Blue Book, which was led up by J. Allen Hynek, recommend watching that TV show on the History Channel. But Blue Book's whole uh, project blue book was a um, was a government agency that was basically tasked with looking into incidents that, that the public would come up with that have to do with ufos and things and kind of coming up with um logical reasons why or logical reasons for what they are and then moving on to other things right so what they had said project project blue book anyways was that they were Uh, luminescence reflecting off of birds. And the reason that this was a new uh, phenomenon was because in Lubbock 1950 1951 they had just gotten a new type of street lights on a few main streets in the town. So Project Blue Book had said that the, the new street lights in town reflecting off of some of these Typical type of birds were the reason why people were seeing these things. And again, the scientist. Um, there was a Texas Tech freshman, Carl Hart, who even snapped some some photographs, which uh, I highly recommend. Every you know, you look up Texas Tech Carl Hart photograph, Lubbock lights, and um, again. The interesting thing about this was not just the shape or whatever, the the triangular shape that they saw. It was the silence. And I have a little bit of a personal story as far as that goes. The silence of the triangle flying over at night, the lights that were accompanied by it, and then also the speed at which it took off. That was the thing that people really... Um, in their minds, uh, were able to determine this had nothing to do with birds. Um, and even in my mind, when I'm thinking about that, right, I think everyone who's listening has heard uh, a flock of birds fly over. If if it's even if it's the most dead silent night, right, you hear. Let's just say anything more than ten birds flying a flying a fucking flock. What are you hearing? You're gonna hear all that crap, right? I would think that that could be that could be maybe birds do fly silently at particular times, but come on, right? Everybody's seen a flock fly over, and and one of those effers are, are squeaking and squawking. Um, but that's just that's just my conjecture. Into uh, into the, I don't know if you know if you want to call these facts, but again, those street lamps. Uh, I told you real quick before I move on to the next um, the next incident. I should say is so. I said, or not I said they said triangular, right? a Tri- big triangular object flying over silently, and it had lights. So I got to throw this in real quick this is going to make me sound like a freaking crazy person um but you know let's might as well let her ride right so uh, this had to have been okay so before i before i even say anything about this my first thing i have to say is that what i would imagine i i'm about to tell you was probably one of the government's aircraft, right? That's that's what I've told myself. I, I hope that's what it was, because otherwise, oh boy. <laughs> um, so, it was... It was... Oh, I don't know. It had to have been... I had to have been shit. Summertime... I would imagine... Because it wasn't... We weren't in school... Me and my buddy... Me and my boy... From back in the day... Um... Me and my buddy Zach... were fucking skateboarding... Which I say loosely... Because, you know... I don't know if anybody... Unless you were good... Unless you were real good... We basically just had the CCS magazines... Had the shoes... Went to Eastern border Was our shit Back on the east coast But You know Whatever you had As a skate shop You know I think I had a flip Or maybe an element No I had an element Feather light at the time And I think he had a Oh what the hell Was the one with the guy With the fucking crazy head A wet willy Whatever the hell It was called That can't be it, can it? Wet willing? But you know what I'm talking about. So we were over there trying to you know, probably grind on a on a four foot. Actually I know exactly what we're doing. It was like a it was like a four foot four foot four inch to six inch I'll get we'll say six inch high. Uh like a grate. Overly like a little drainage ditch. So a nice firm It was a nice neighborhood, so it had, like, a good, not granite, but we're talking good concrete here. So, you know, especially if you wax it up. We probably had, like, a piece of soap or something. And, um, but we're talking good quality concrete here. Nice neighborhood, nice cul-de-sac. And we're over here trying to see if we can grind on this thing that's six inches off the ground Probably successful once or twice, I would imagine. My move was the kickflip, if you're wondering. I could kind of shove it. I could kind of shove it. Pop shove it. I could drop in. My thing was more dropping in, riding around in the bowl. You know what I mean? Until one day I saw this kid. <sighs> saw this kid in a roll at Skaters Paradise in Shrewsbury. She's very mass. Kid, kid was the best best skater, easily. Right, he was the best skater in the park, in the pack. And I never forget this day. I had my my gear. I had my flip, my Mark Appleyard flip. I had my gear. I was just starting to feel comfortable, and I'm 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 in the lineup to the rolling. The big old the big boy rolling. We're talking the you know, the the twenty footer. Boom, roll in into a nice kicker, the rail, and then you if you build the speed up, you, you head on up to the I don't even know what the fuck you call the other side <laughs> Ooh, sorry. If you don't like that after yourself, I guess. Uh up to the other side, whatever the hell it was. The other side wasn't quite a rolling. It was just like a big if you, were, if you were too scared to do the roll and you went to the other side, which is what I usually did. Anyways, I get up, I'm third guy in line, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the best skater at the pack, you know, this kid's, this kid's freaking, this kid's doing stalls in the bowl. He's going, you know, exiting the bowl. And then going right out of the bowl, dropping in, hitting the little, you know, rail that's out there. Like, this kid was basically using the skate park as his personal Tony Hawk video game. And he gets up. I'm behind him. And I'm trying to get every little bit I can out of him, right? What's he doing? What's his leg leg position, leg placement, you know? Yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, this, (laughs) this clown, we'll call him Steve... Steve looks over and fucking breaks his damn hip <laughs> and I'll never forget it this dude he went down I mean I went down immediately broke his shit they had to carry him out they had to bring out you know they had to call the ambulance you know to to I mean, this this guy was not walking. (laughs) Point being, point being, is that that was the last day that I really decided I'm ever going to try skateboarding. And I told that story because, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Because me and my buddy Zach were skating. Skating! Skating! And, uh, Holy shit We were skating Right And then All of a sudden All of a sudden We're, we're uh, I don't know We're back in I think Maybe we're not We're probably still out there Dicking around And this was like 12, 12 13 years old I'm talking 2002 2001 Something like that And And this is the height Of my interest in You know Aircraft and things my my family would, would go to air shows all the time. Um, had seen stealth bombers before. I had to preface this statement by saying that many, many times. Not even many times, but a few times. And partic- uh, particularly had seen one recently during that summer. All of a sudden, if you can imagine, you know, a, a basic cul-de-sac. We're in Massachusetts, but... Oh geez, if you're anywhere that's got trees over thirty-five feet or so, right, and any type of cul-de-sac, that's that's you know you got the picture. Probably three, four, three, uh probably probably two hundred yards in between. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice neighborhood. So from house to house across streets, you're talking a football field or two in between. Good, good distance, and this airplane that's what i'll call it right now but this thing tr- big ass triangle N- edges so the edges were not edges they were seamless right and the uh, amazing thing about this was that they were this was entirely silent entirely silent. And this triangle big, I would imagine about the size of a B two stealth bomber. So that's you know, if you want to get a visual as I'm continuing the story, just you know, quickly if you got a phone or a computer in front of you, Google just B two B Two stealth bomber from below, right? And you'll get the picture. But as you'll see with a with a B two is the fact that with with that type of craft you're gonna get the um kinda like the I guess the the best thing to say is that like the the, the jagged edges towards the, the back of the craft. And it's very distinct, right? Yeah. I mean you, you know, when you see it, it looks like a little bit like a UFO for sure. But um when you see it from underneath there's it's a very distinct there are wings that jut out from the side that are very narrow and also there's a you know very jagged base it's a very distinct pattern looking up at at one of these craft no doubt about it right so what what we were looking up at was if you were to I mean, if you've if you've gone up there and you've Googled it, you know you see the the B two stealth bomber. If you were to just be able to fill in the negative space between the wings and make it a solid triangle, um, and and not have it be quite as sharp of an angle, that's what we saw cruise the F over this neighborhood. Um. One of the craziest things I've ever seen... The craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. My buddy who I think would corroborate... Corroborate? Corroborate? Corroborate my story here is not... I repeat, not a person who would jump on board with most of my BS that I'm spewing. (laughs) But this, he will remember. I will say that for sure. And um, I will say we even had enough time, so this is how slow this thing was flying over the neighborhood. At a height I always when I saw it I thought that I could it was just starting to play golf at this time. And at the time I was like, oh, I could hit you know, I could tee up a nine iron on the and and put it in the front of my stance and get that thing up there and hit this effer. Um but it was probably more something like five hundred feet up, something like that, you know, but at a max came over right again no sound no wake nothing 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 and it was so slow we had this was before razors were phones the thing came over so slow that we had or or my buddy had time to as we're skateboarding right trying to figure out how to grind this little grate I think actually we might have even had those nice shoes those uh, those wax shoes so it might have even been hitting hitting it with our shoes. But we had enough time to see this damn thing out of the corner of our eye. Boom. Oh. We both don't necessarily remember how long it took. So this is, I guess, up to, to, you know, for us to debate. But uh, us being me and my buddy. But I, I don't necessarily remember if it was, like, Holy shit, there it is. Boom, he whipped his phone out. We took a picture, a couple of pictures. I don't remember if it was like, boom, whip it out. <laughs> boom, whip it out, take it. <laughs> and um, Or if it was like that, or if it was more of... But from my recollection, the thing came over so slowly. Um, and again, just imagine any cul-de-sac you've ever been into you know, with high trees. Why I describe it like that is because it doesn't give, with the high trees on either side of you, it doesn't, meaning, you know, you're not getting a look at the horizon at all. This thing comes over at a pretty high height. And, um, yeah, was, we're able to get the picture of it. So, anyways, that's kind of my, my, experience with a craft like that so what I always say is not that I saw an alien because I feel like if I say that I'm insane but what I always say anyways is that what I must have seen was something that was very close to being um, yeah was very close to being one of the most advanced aircraft that maybe the government has that's kind of where I've always put myself at that's maybe that maybe what we saw was like the most still shit that we've that, that that's out there I hope that's what it is because otherwise that shit's scary <laughs> um, um yeah absolutely that 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 shit's fucking fucking scary Yes, not crazy. So anyways. Um uh, yeah, on to the next uh on to the next thing. Let me get back on get back on track if I can. So we've done uh Lubbock. Right. So one of the other things, amazingly the next one, 1957. Loveland, Texas. Unbelievable one here. This is actually favorite scene. We'll keep it quick. We'll get through this. Uh, Loveland, if you've ever seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the famous scene where the UFO kind of makes the... Um, like the, the, the car kind of goes wild. Or, or you know, all oh, electronics kind of go crazy. The um, real-life inspiration is when a ton of people in Loveland, Texas, individually reported seeing a rocket, is what they described it as, or strange lights, depending on who you talk to. Some people saw lights, some people described it as it must have been a rocket, but it interfered with their vehicles, engines died, cars cut out, um, houses and lights went off, things shook. Um, The police eventually reported that it was a hoax, said that they too saw the lights, and that it must have been some sort of a hoax—someone shooting fireworks or something like that—and that all the reports must have been kind of a part of this to 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 rile up people. Depends on what you think. Project Blue Book again. This is one of the other cases that Project Blue Book, with Doctor J. Ellen Hynek out of uh, Ohio, Ohio State, the Ohio State University, was uh, was kind of sent and, are sent to, to, you know, sent to investigate the case, and, and what he found, or, or I should say what he said he found, because if you do any reading into what Mr. Hynek said once he left the project, Project Blue Book, he had a lot of differing opinions on what they wanted him to say and what he actually believed, but what he said was that there must have been an electrical ball lightning storm that caused the malfunctions in the vehicles, radios, houses, and whatnot, even though there was no reported thunderstorms in the area at that night by anybody at all in Loveland. Leave it kind of at that. But again, look that one up if you'd like, if you're interested. Um, particularly if you're interested, again, like I referenced the project, Project Blue Book, but... The show on the History Channel, in my opinion, is, I mean, it's not even my opinion. It's their best show. It's a couple seasons. That's not saying much because History Channel doesn't have any real dramas, but it's a full drama. Uh, the guy in it, which is kind of cool, is, if you like Game of Thrones, uh, Littlefinger plays Jay Allen Hynek. So, at least you know <laughs> the main character has some good acting chops there. Really, really, um, really interesting show. Really, fam- finesse, fa- oh, ba- 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 fascinating way to look at a lot of these things too, because um, you know a little bit of dramatization and it's it's a little bit of espionage and stuff. Kind of kind of fun. Um, not even really a spoiler alert, but if you continue to watch the show, episodes in, John F. Kennedy makes an appearance. There's a guy who plays him, which is really cool. Uh, next next one. As we go, uh, as we go through the actual UFO incidents, Rendlesham Forest, 1980, one of my particular favorites, uh, because of the fact that it's, it's, it's an incident that happened, you know, obviously not long ago, We're, we're talking 40 years ago, and why I think that's interesting is that we've, at this point, we've had higher forms of technologies, so, you know we have things that have been able to hit the Mach one barrier. We've had things that, you know, go supersonic. SR seventy one Blackbird, the f- fastest craft in the in the planet, spy airplane. These things have been been created. So our 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 frame of reference, at least at this point in nineteen eighty, is much different than it was. You know, at the in the previous incident, I'm talking about in Loveland nineteen fifty seven when, probably the best aircraft in nineteen fifty seven, at least in my opinion was either the P-51 Mustang or a, a Sky Raider at that point, probably um, p- prop-based anyways, I'm talking about um, if you ever look up a Sky Raider, operated operated up into, I believe, the Vietnam War, but it was one of the few that was, few aircrafts, long distance speed power that was able to actually compete with um, jet-powered aircraft for a while, but regardless, I don't want to get too <laughs> I don't want to nerd too much into the airplanes. Rund Ocean Forest, though, 1980, right? So what happened is Air Force Base, many uh, officers, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Halt was the big one, Um, but many, many officers reported different lights above the uh, Woodbridge Bentwaters base. Uh, This is in, in London, but there was U.S. members stationed over here. Excuse me. We're talking about 100 miles north of uh, of London at this point in time. And they discovered some sort of a, a, a weird aircraft. At least Lieutenant Colonel Holt was the... Charles Holt was the, the big one who had these observations. And the next day when they came in, there was a lot of damage to the trees. Uh, because of his insistence on what had happened they had brought in I think it's a spectrometer I think that's the right thing could be wrong but regardless they checked the radiation levels and found that there was higher than normal uh, higher than normal radiation levels which um, you know of course was was really really interesting Um, one of the quotes from one of the gentlemen on the US Air Force air traffic controller working that night said we looked up on the radar scope and saw something not like anything that it we'd ever seen before um you know baker who was the one who made that claim was a master sergeant who was second in charge of, of the facility 18 year veteran at that point and uh, you know at, at that point he quote. He about knew every aircraft in the U.S., NATO, and Soviet bloc. This object, he says, shook him and his colleagues that night with its remarkable speed, its maneuverability. On radar, it covered a hundred and twenty miles in a matter of seconds. It moved. It must have been moving Mach five, six, seven, or eight, or faster than anything. Other than possibly a missile, so which is one of the, uh, you know, again, that's uh, his name was Ivan Barker, U.S. Air Force traffic controller, and that, that was the gentleman who has who has that that quote particularly, um, and you know, as he, yeah, it's, um, you know, that's one of the uh, kind of the amazing things about the whole entire situation is the fact that he had such an experience 18 years as he looked to the radar the craft moved into close range slowed then stopped over the base's water tower again as he looked up from the radar it The craft, into gross range, slowed and then stopped over the base's water tower. Quote, like a helicopter hovering, except with a helicopter you get movement up and down. This was stationary. It It was between about 1,500 and 2,000 feet high. This thing was at least a city block in diameter. So Barker says... It was shaped like a giant basketball portholes around the center from which lights were emanating outward. I was shocked. There was nothing aerodynamic about it. Basketballs don't fly. And that's again a quote from uh, Ivan Ivan Parker who was the, one of the big witnesses of this uh, outside of Suffolk, England. Uh, this is from Forest incident. Um, kind of and then you know uh, apparently it' stopped he says uh, let me continue he he says it stopped over the tower before reversing course speeding back then it's gone and uh you know that was really it. Barker didn't report this to his superiors. You don't understand what the Air Force did to people reporting UFOs. This is what Barker says. Um, Again, this is a gentleman who's come out more recently, but that was his reasoning why at the time he didn't make a big deal out of it. Again, he reports you don't understand what the Air Force did to people who reported UFOs. Barker's story dovetails with what Colonel Halts story is at the time a uh, deputy commander uh, mentioned Mr Hall he was Hall was the one who uh, he apparently was the one with a group of other men uh, ended up going out into the woods and uh, this this craft small red light moving horizontally through the trees under some sort of control to him it almost felt like a laser beam but in you know but 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 a big ball flight so if you ever ever used a laser beam and put it on the wall how it kind of moves you know if you put a laser beam on the wall it almost you know even even with your hand being steady your hand can't be perfect and it bounces around and it almost moves without like a regard to gravity is almost what it feels like <laughs> sorry Luna, my cat, my cat getting involved, um, she's a freaking alien, and this thing landed, you know, 15 feet away from, um, and then apparently the beam flew north towards the base, and this is, again, uh, where they could hear, um, you know, they could hear chatter on the radios that, um, things ended up happening with the, with the weapons in the, uh, in the area, which is really, um, yeah, again, which is really interesting. There's many more things. I'm, I'm not going to go too much further cause I, I don't have the information in front of me, but I, I really highly recommend looking up those, a few, inf- those few more modern incidents, but this one's one of the bigger ones, the from Forest one. But the amazing thing about those, those two incidents is this one and obviously the one that happened in Roswell is that they revolved around nuclear bases and also units that had extreme, some of the highest clearances and knowledge about uh, not only obviously aviation, but just about what was going on as far as uh, different things like espionage and different crafts from other, other nations, so it's, it's just interesting that it happens to be these people who are the ones that are mistaken things, apparently, um, let me, uh, let me quickly see uh, what else we get, oh, so one of the other ones I want to get into right quickly before I get, uh, in touch into, um, some really cool ancient stuff, I should say, is the, uh, again, I, I really recommend everybody, so the whole goal of this, if you've made it this far, appreciate you, appreciate you, um, whole goal really is, you know, to give you a little, a little touch on every one of these things, and then if you, if you are interested, one, um, if you're interested in any of them in particular, in particular, please, you know, drop a comment, drop a like, um, let me know what what if you'd like me to explore any of these in in further depth which I'm probably gonna do in the future anyways but when I do it'll be probably with someone who has a little bit more knowledge in in each um, in each particular subject but what I'm trying to do is just give you a, a little bit of each and uh, if if any of these probably fifteen things I'm gonna end up hitting uh, hit your fancy yeah check them out they a lot of these whether you think they are religious scientific completely supernatural they're very very fa- fascinating so the next event is the Tunguska event this is this is wild. So this was a, I won't talk too much about this, because really there's not much information. But this is more so just scare the shit out of everybody. We're worried about a a COVID vaccine, or not vaccine, a virus, which obviously is real, you know. Mask up. If you are listening to this pre-COVID vaccine, yeah, that means you. Just kidding. If you, have, I'm just saying, if you happen to be that that person who's not fucking wearing a mask, um, wear one. And uh, but if you are 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 listening to this after, you know, it's probably a different world, and you're looking back at that as, Oh god, funny, funny times. But Tunguska, Tunguska, which was a massive. A massive event that happened. I'm going to butcher the absolute shit out of this name. The Pudkamanyanya. Tunguska River. In Yesnik. I don't know. Maybe I got that right. Maybe I didn't. Uh, regardless. But really though. Mask up. And if you don't like it. I, I've been at least... In the beginning, particularly, I had one mask that I fucking couldn't ble- breathe through at all. Get one that you can breathe through that also filters. That's key, right? You don't want one that's just paper. That you can completely breathe through, I guess. that's. But uh, make it a fucking statement, right? If you're that much of a dick, get one that says um, F you or something. I've got a bunch of <laughs> Boston ones, so it's kind of funny. Everybody always... Comes up and yeah, says you, yeah, anyways. Sorry, uh, Tunguska, 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 the Kunduska event again in, in Russia, right? It's um, wild, wild, wild. So, this happened in 1908. We're going a little bit back as far as the timeline happened, but it was a, an explosion like i said uh oh, oh yeah how i got into covid there was the fact that you know imagine if this shit happened this will be a real tragedy but this shit's real this this is this is going to happen one day just god forbid it happens again over the middle of nowhere but this thing explosion over eastern siberia flattened just like listen to the magnitude of what this is flattened 80 million trees over an area of 2,150 kilometers squared. 830 square miles of forest. Again, 830 square miles of forest. And eyewitnesses reports that at least three people died in the event, which is, you know, okay, that's shockingly... Sucks for those three, but my goodness. But the explosion is attributed to an airburst of a meteoroid that's about a hundred meters in American, of course, 330 fucking feet. Three, I mean, we're talking we're talking the 7th hole at Pebble Beach basically yeah that's that's it right there 7th hole at Pebble Beach from the tee to the green a rock that big that's not that big <laughs> that's not that effing big and it's classified as an impact event even though there's no crater that's ever been even found So why why I bring this one up is they have no idea what the hell this thing was, right? Um, You know, obviously the best guess is it's a meteoroid that, that came through the atmosphere and just exploded. But why I bring it up is when you look into biblical events and things like that, I won't bring up the individual, but if you are a Bible reader... There's many, not many, there's a few different events, Sodom and Gomorrah being one of the big ones, where there's different big explosions and things like that that, that wipe things out. But but for us, right, imagine the, the fact that there's no crater found. The object disintegrated. Didn't even hit the surface of the earth. Right? And this effort destroyed an area of 830 square miles. Point being, good thing it hit the middle of Siberia, right? In Krasokan, Krasokai, Russia. Near Kanyanya Tunduska River. Right? Whatever the hell that is. Point being is that uh, an ex... <laughs> you know... It's estimated that the shockwave from the airburst of this rock, measured 5.0 on the Richter scale, and it estimates an energy wave of 3 to 30 megatons of TNT, basically an explosion of this magnitude to be capable of destroying a large metropolitan area. So, anyways, watch out for rocks falling from the sky. And the funny thing about this, I guess back then, 1908, much less, much less technology back then, but shit, we should be looking up, making sure, because again, this one, they had no idea, came in, (laughs) just out of nowhere, three people. Imagine being imagine being the middle middle third. The guy in the middle or gal. Oh, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways. Anyways. Sorry. Don't didn't mean to offend any of the families of the three who were affected by the Kandiska event. But Christ, it's it's a warning to us all. Um, the last few things I really wanted to do, though, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm, 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 I'm a, an idiot. That's, that's for sure. Um, last couple things I wanted to, to bring up, which I thought were really, really interesting anyways, were, were, was, um... A couple of the things that relate to... You know, we've kind of been talking... That last thing was more so just to break the break the barrier between the two subjects. But something that was just really interesting in my mind. But from UFOs and things like that, those type of events that I've recommended looking up... Those These are all basic ones. Looking up those, which are really, really interesting. Um but what I wanted to do was use um, look up Bob Lazar there's a great documentary on him I'm going to leave him out right now but look up Bob Lazar as well it's another great name if you're interested in any of the other things that were said the best place to go is there's a documentary that was put on Netflix if you probably just type in Bob Lazar Go there first, and then secondarily, uh, check out Joe Rogan, Bob Lazar, you know, Joe, Joe Rogan slash Bob Lazar on YouTube, and if you enjoyed the the uh, the documentary, definitely go ahead and and listen. Uh, listen to the podcast there, because it, it's just a great way to f- kind of get a sense of if the guy's full of shit or not, and I don't think he is, but... um Again, had to had to mention mention him for sure. So one of the other things I wanted to start with, really quick, when it comes to this was uh, was Khufu Khufu's pyramid. Right when it comes to uh, ancient things, when it relates to ancient aliens, which is kind of a funny. I don't know. Um, <laughs> to me, it's kind of a funny place to. Kind of a funny thing to really. Oh shit! I apologize. That's why I just had to. Uh, I just got myself freaking kind of stunned for a second. I had to. I had to do this. This is important. If you don't know about it, you've got to. I'm adding this in to the things that if you don't know, you've got to look it up. Again, sorry for me being all over the fucking place. But again, another fantastic one is Commander Fravor, right? The the, the tic tac. If you don't know about it, learn about it. You're gonna learn about it now if you don't, in a in a quick short form. But Commander Fravor Um He is a Um uh, me make sure I get this make sure I get this hundred percent right. He is a um is it Air Force, I believe? Air Force? I believe he's, uh, no, Air Force, Navy. I apologize to Commander Fravor for getting, um... Yeah, I believe he's Navy. Shut Well, I apologize to Mr. Fravor if I get this wrong, but I believe he's a Navy, uh, Navy Commander. Anyway, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Commander Fravor, anyways. Flying a mission off of the USS Nimitz. I think this was, uh... Hopefully this is out off the off the west coast of the United States. Regardless, he and his co pilot, along with another I think they were in F eighteens, witnessed this object. They called it the Tic Tac. The reason they called it a tic because it was a kind of a white Tic Tac shaped object. Hopefully you've you've had a or know what I'm talking about as far as a tic tac goes, but um and a quote by him was did not obey the, the laws of physics was is the big quote and it's the the crazy thing that he kind of um alluded to when when he was talking about this, the tic tac the tic tac is the fact that they witnessed this on their radar. Um the beauty of this is that this happened Shit, I think this was in the 2000, yeah, 2004, um, in the San Diego area, yeah, he is a Navy, Navy commander, 2004, and I believe he was an F-18, and I think it was a Super Hornet, if I'm not mistaken, Super Hornet, if I am correct, there is a spot in the back for a navigator who is also flying around with the pilot who's in control of the many different um, the many different tracking systems that are that are available on on the flight and they they they've put many different um, I was gonna say painted. They painted it with many different things, whether it be infrared, whether it be um just your your standard you know... HD camera... Um, tried to hit it with... You know, tried to check temperature... Tried to detect Any type of... Um, anything that you can think of... I'm sorry... Um, I apologize for stuttering here... I'm, I'm just reading a little bit about the... The incident as I talk about it... We'll cut it right here... As far as this one goes... Because as you can tell... I don't have... This one off the top of my head... As good as some others... But... Unbelievable... Um, probably the most credible of all the things that I've talked about today is if you're you know, skeptical of, skeptical of any Commander Fravor, um, F-R-A-V-E-R. And again, one of his amazing claims that he said, which I'll leave it on this, is that they tracked this object from 50 plus thousand feet He said possibly up to 80,000 feet, and then it immediately, within less than one second, was at 100 feet above the ocean, which obviously is not possible. And then while it was down above 100 feet above the ocean, also made other many different maneuvers, but... You know, knowing anything about anything that has to do with propulsion—not even propulsion—just being in a car, a boat, a truck, running—you can't accelerate anything like that. Going from fifty thousand, eighty thousand to one hundred feet is absolutely insane. Um, okay, so really quick, this is the uh, the part of the the part of the show I'm going to breeze through. I've been rambling my freaking balls off, but thank you for sticking with me. If you're still with me, and uh, again. Hope any of these that I've hit, if they've drawn any interest for you, please recommend you give um, give a Google, give a read. There's so many great articles about each of these things that I've I've been bringing up uh, that um, you know I tell many more many more instances or not many more instances, many more things about them. So one of the other things is. Ancient, ancient aliens. Ancient aliens is kind of a subject I don't even want to bring up, which is because when you say say that, it makes you think of Giorgio, the dude with the hair, and just, um, it is ridiculous. And the TV show, I do think there's a lot of exploitation on this subject, for sure. But one thing that I love is ancient Egyptian culture, as well as science, as well as history, which I guess that kind of wraps into each other there, but uh, when you look at the Great Pyramid of Khufu, one of the things that's amazing about it is the fact that the number pi is represented in this building. Unbelievably. Now some people will say that if you take all the different pyramids, they don't all represent it, so why is that significant? But to me in my mind it's because it's the great pyramid so the great pyramid of Khufu if you go with the base times height it comes out exactly to 3.14 which to me again one of the more unbelievable things is this precisely so pi, obviously being a ratio that that comes up all over uh, all over geometry and is used, uh, you know, throughout the modern world, is and, and, and also shows up is again the exact ratio between the base times the height of that pyramid, which to me is really interesting, just because. Um, how in the world were they able to you know some people will say uh, yeah there's many other pyramids and and none of them also had that ratio but that's fine the point being and a lot of them actually dance around um, dance around that ratio if I'm not mistaken I think there's uh, something like uh, Sneferu's Pyramid uh, one of Sneferu's pyramids. Sneferu built many pyramids but Sneferu's Pyramid is you know a fraction of a degree off of Pi um De Geffrey's Pyramid could have that one wrong as far as the pronunciation but a fraction off of Pi um Minkare's Pyramid, Fract. There's many of these pyramids, and they and none of them vary um, other than Sneferus Red, which is a completely different... The Bent Pyramid, which was almost an anomaly. The Bent Pyramids were complete anomalies, but every other pyramid other than the Bent Pyramids, um, which many people would attribute to being in the earlier generations of um, even the the earlier generations of pyramids, even being built in the in the Giza, um, in the Giza Strip, I guess you would call it, but um, you know the, the the Bent Pyramid was was much much earlier than a lot of these others, which is why, in my opinion, um, Snefru's are the only ones that are so far off of these other ones. But every other pyramid other than Snefru's, I mean, they're within degrees. Of, of Pi and it almost seems like um, the other ones had something else going on but again the Great Pyramid the most important one which also is lined up to True North which is also very interesting with that pyramid uh, I'm if you're listening and you're, you're probably thinking what the fuck is the relationship between this and what we were talking about earlier with the 509th bomb wing. And I'll tell you this, it's not necessarily that aliens had anything to do with these. All I'm simply trying uh to talk about is just things in in my in my mind that are very interesting. So l- let me let me make that clear right now. I'm I'm not saying by any means that the 509th or the you know Roswell incidents had anything to do with this, I will give a quick little synopsis at the end of how I think they could possibly relate, but um, most likely there's 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 none. I just think these are very very fascinating things. So thank you again, like I said, for sticking with me. um because I know, again, for me, this this shit's fascinating. But I know it's for everybody. It might not be necessarily. So, uh, but yeah. So, um, you know, the Great Pyramid. That's that's one of the amazing things. It, it faces true north. If you take all of the landmass in the entire planet, and were to spread it out, almost as if you were to like take a uh, if you had like a, a just a cardboard box and you were to unfold it, right? You know, there's that middle of, of the cardboard box and the rest of it is laid out around. If you were to do that with the entire amount of landmass, it comes, or, or the, that point would be right around the area of Giza. And not only that, that is where the Pyramid of Giza is also located. It faces exactly true north. Which isn't anything that's unbelievably crazy because anyone who has a, a knowledge of the stars can use um, you know, the Big Dipper to find the North Star and to point themselves in a northern direction. But the point is to have the technological ability to build a structure so large and have it be so accurate is an amazing feat. Um more so just because of the fact that we could attempt to do these things today and imagine if one thing were off or which happens oftentimes in, in modern construction, how much it would take and how much money it would take to fix it. Um again not saying anything other than the fact that just effing unbelievable. The other cool thing about the Great Pyramids is the fact that there's a correlation between Orion's belt. So, when you look at the Great Pyramids of Giza, the Great Pyramid, and then also the the other two right next to it, the unbelievable thing is that when you look at the constellation of Orion, specifically the belt of Orion, what you're going to get Is an exact overlay. Over the great pyramid of Giza. The smaller pyramid. Up to the left. And also below. Not only that. Is you're going to get the same exact. um, The same exact. Order. From. Teotihuacan. Which is. The Mexican pyramids. Which are equally impressive. The Mexican pyramids are also laid out in the exact same way. Two large pyramids in more of a straight line with one small pyramid more offset to the left. And then the other pyramids around the world, which is not the only, but these are the most prominent, is the Xi'an pyramids. X-I-A-N. I I believe it's Xi'an pyramids in china again from overhead you see the same exact thing china um, i believe a lot of areas like uh, croatia serbia the eastern or southwestern part i should say of north america there's so many of these pyramid massive pyramid like structures that really just aren't talked about but those three now why i bring these three up is for you to interpret but the reason i do again is because it's interesting Egypt, Africa, Mexico, Central North America—you know, whichever, depending on the area. The, you know, it is really North America, but it's the the area at which it is. You know, it's 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 such a southern portion of of the Americas, and then the Jian Pyramids in China—different continents completely. Again, and you'll also see this layout in the uh, northwest or I should say southwestern portion of the United States of America with certain native tribes, this layout of this particular star. Now, one would easily say, well, it's yeah, you can, each, It's a popular one, right? It's a good one, Orion's Belt. But there are many popular popular stars, the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's funny, those, those are the first ones that I repeat, but, you know, Gemini, Leo, Sagittarius, I mean, it, there's, there's, there's so many, when you look at, um, you know, the Summer Triangle, there's many different uh, constellations that have to do with, um, small little things, there's, there's the little heart in the sky, that's a part of the summer triangle, there's the dolphin, there's so many different, uh, and I'm saying the dolphin, these are all, these are all, like, the layman's terms, names for these constellations, but, um, and these are all very, very visible, prominent things, but yet, many, many civilizations chose to, um, yeah, chose to Take their generations uh, generations of people their um all of their thought process all of their everything that they had as a civilization and poured into designing these structures which is which is which is really interesting um kind of makes you think kind of makes me think I should say that whatever was propelling these people to do such a thing, it must have been so amazing whatever it was, right, that that made these multiple generations do these things. And, you know, it makes, makes me think, man, I wonder... It'd be really interesting if, if we as a civilization these days had something that we all believed in so wholeheartedly that we could we could get behind. I mean, again, there's there's also you could uh, someone could debate me and say, well, there's probably some slaves involved in some of these pyramids, depending on what you believe was the reasons that these things were built. That's a whole other conversation, but my point is, is that just a lot of these, whatever was the source behind deciding to build these massive structures, it's uh, it really is amazing. The last, um, the last thing that I really wanted to, last thing that I really wanted to uh, to bring up that had to do with some a couple of ancient things, and how they are interesting. May, this one probably relates more so to a mystery, connecting to the earlier topics, is the Dogon tribes of Africa, I believe it. And one of the unbelievable things about the Dogon people is that when you look up into the sky, most people, when they look up into the sky and you say, what's the brightest star in the sky? They're going to say the northern star, right? And they'll probably point this this thing out. It's the same thing when most people say, where's the Little Dipper? And they'll probably point out what really is Polaris. Um, Polaris being a a very similar looking thing to to the Little Dipper, but... Um, a little dipper being Ursa Minor but when it comes to Sirius Sirius is the brightest star in the sky everybody sees it all the time and again most people think it's the northern star a lot of times it gets mistaken for Venus Oftentimes, when Venus is in the sky, it does overtake this as the brightest, depending on where we are. But oftentimes, the brightest star is Sirius. And one of the amazing things about this is that Sirius B is another star. And I'm making sure I get this right. That Sirius B basically is a star that is invisible to the naked eye. They, these Dogon people, they have a instrument that they use to. Kind of uh, to show their knowledge of the solar system, and the amazing part about their instrument is that within it is uh, within it is the amazing image of Sirius B, which there is absolutely no possible way of seeing this with the naked eye. The only way to see this with is with a high-powered telescope. So. There are only a couple of options, right? That can be that can be drawn from this type of um, knowledge from an ancient people, particularly an ancient people, the Dogon. I believe they are still in Africa. Um, they are an amazing tribe of people. Unbelievable headdresses and and masks and things like this, and and ceremony to celebrate this this particular knowledge. But they are a completely um, indigenous, I guess, would be the right term. Just a, a group of, of people who still live exactly as they once had lived. And, again, they have knowledge of this one star, Sirius B, which you cannot see. Sirius, you can, of course, it's a very popular one, but... The only possible ways are to develop a telescope that's extremely powerful, that of which possibly you know if they had the technology they've as has faded for for whatever reason or someone, whether it be from outside um, outside of their culture, which a lot of people believe that Europeans in the 30s, 40s, and 50s who discovered this tribe are the ones who gave them this knowledge. But the argument against it, again, in my contention, which is that of many who have studied the tribe longer than the Europeans who came in the uh, 19th and 18th century, is that they had sculptures, carvings, uh, and things of this nature and ceremonies Based off of this, that 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 were much much uh, that lingered much much longer into the past. Again, take a, take that as what you will. There's definitely two two schools of thought. But again, another unbelievably interesting to me, uh, interesting, interesting thing. Oh God, I've, I'm effing wearing myself out. I'm sure I have you as well. Thank you so much for joining me uh through a rambling session um of my <laughs> I've had to I've had to pause and look up some of this shit to make sure I'm not completely bullshitting you. But thank you so much for just hanging out with me for the last Jesus, what has it been? Almost almost hour and a half, two hours. As I uh, go through my random, as I close my eyes and randomly go through my ridiculous, dumb knowledge. Not knowledge, not like I'm an expert, but uh, <laughs> my fascination with, I should say, my ridiculous fascination with the uh, some of these UFO topics and subjects. Um, I'll definitely be doing some more of this in the future. Please leave a comment Um, if you can correct or add anything. Please, please do. I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate that. I want to again thank Pacific Northwest. Um. Whoops. Sorry about that. Drop the o drop the old microphone there um I wanted to thank uh, Northwest tech experts again um for um for helping us out and like i said give them give them a shout if you if you need any help or advice even anything like that, particularly with data recovery or anything of that nature two oh six three nine five Nine five nine nine. Again, they've been serving Seattle for twelve years, and they're they're just they're just the best. The customer service through the chain or off the chain um, can't can't recommend them enough. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, please drop a like, drop a comment, uh, subscribe um, at podcast underscore purple. Find us there, and um, like I said, give uh, if you have any any extra info, please throw it at us, throw it at me, I should say, and um, would love to get a dialogue going with you, again, like I said, I'm I'm rambling at this point, thank you so much, uh, next, uh, next episode I think we're going to have a, a guest with us, um, we're going to also be doing a, uh, just a random historical facts episode coming up real soon as well, so again, thanks, thank you so much, thank you so much everybody, appreciate you. And uh we'll be uh, we'll be seeing you soon. <sighs> have a good uh, have a good one, y'all.